now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Everybody. This is Lauren's song. As we let the platforms roll this out, let's listen to this song, okay, everybody? I'm going to share this out. Never changes what you see. I've tried to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary. Hi, Marlene. Okay, hey everybody. I know for you visual people watching us, that's probably the most boring open ever. (laughs) Uh, But to those of you who are listening on the podcast, you're like, whatever, I just got to listen to Lauren Daigle's song, which this was like a massive hit for her. 
All right, so today, tonight, uh, um, there is a couple of things. There are a few things, rather, I would like to, to share with you in the beginning of the show. Of course, I'm dressed in my Awana t-shirt because I just got doing Awana. But I wanted to share with you a picture from earlier today. Let me see. I'm going to find it. I'm going to pull it up. Um, let's see here. I probably should have had this pulled up earlier, but I didn't. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, this picture here. Uh, I and Randall, I don't know if you can see it. Is that like blurry? Camera? Yeah, if you get having trouble focusing because your face is there and plus the photo is there. Okay. It's trying to autofocus. And... All right. Well, anyway, so right there in that picture is one of our pillars of the community, uh, Kim uh, Sauter, who, who is actually a friend of our friend Mia, Lifelight Paramedic. Kim is a nurse, and anyway, she is in town with her cousin, um, Shelby. Is that right? <laughs> it's so horrible. Brandy. Brandy. I knew it was an E. <laughs> Brandy. Yeah, okay, anyway, sorry, Brandy. Anyway, she's in town with Brandy. And uh, anyway, we ended up having a uh, impromptu uh, lunch today with her, and so that was super cool. Um, meeting another one of our pillars of the community in person, so that was kind of cool. You know, God, God is um, God's good. Yeah, he is. He, he, um. <laughs> He he constantly amazes me with how he lets us meet people that watch this show in person. And um, <clears throat> anyway, so that was super cool. That was so. What was that like for you, Randall? You want to get on on the camera? I can do that. There he is. So yeah. So this was kind of cool. It was kind of an impromptu um, thing. That was great. Just uh, on Facebook. Yep. And I saw that uh, Kim had mentioned she's in Nashville. I'm like, what the heck? Yep. Nashville didn't look us up. What's with that? So just shot a message. Well, she didn't of, know that we were this close, right? Yeah. Oh. Well, because we're an un, we're we are in an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee. But yeah. if you're in Middle Tennessee, anywhere in Middle Tennessee is close to anywhere else in Middle Tennessee. From the from the Kentucky border down to the Alabama border, it's it's a few hours drive at most from anywhere. Yeah. Oh. So, anyway, also in breaking news, Pringles now has wavy potato chips. Who knew? They are new. See? New. And these happen to be sweet and tangy barbecue, for those of you who care what I'm eating. I have to tell you, honestly, I bought this can. It was an impulse shop. True story. I went to the food lion to get my cat food because my cat will yell at me tomorrow if I don't have food for him. Um, and I saw these, but I saw that they were wavy, you know? And so how many of you have eaten wavy Pringles? Like seriously, have you? Because they're not as good. I don't know, Randall, what do you think? Do you think they're as good? I know you just tried one, didn't you? Yeah. Go ahead, eat another one. Tell me what you think. I've Let's get had one probably to like five of them. Um... What do you mean? What do I think is good as what? You think it's as good as the regular? 
the regular different. Well, I'm, I mean, I grew up with Pringles that are just the standard dehydrated, compressed potatoes, yeah. you know, in the distinct Pringle shape. Um, but do you think that these are good? I mean, do you think they're as good as the regular? Because I, I don't. They're different. They are different. I don't. I mean, it's a different. I don't even know what they are. Is there even potato in these? Yes, they're dehydrated and formed potatoes. Well, at least Pringles traditionally. I can't read the ingredients on here because it's, it's black on that. Like, how do you read that? Let me see. You need a flashlight. Oh, here. Go ahead. He's going to take some out now and eat them. Yeah, the lighting in here is not that... Um, mm -mm. Yeah, it's uh, very low contrast. The, the nutritional information, which is the... Most important. Black There on, is uh, zero nutritional value to this. Just so you know. True story. Oh, well. I think this is the first time I've ever eaten on our show. Yeah, I, I don't like to eat on camera. Yeah. I mean, well, it's okay if I'm sharing a meal with someone, but, you know, I don't know if they're eating or what. Well, so. we did a wanna, and then I went to a church, or the store after church, to get our cats some food, and I literally just got home, so. Don't judge. Hey, if Glenn Beck can eat on his show, then we can eat on ours, just so you know. Okay, anyway, so that was one thing. That was a um, a nice little surprise today that we did. Um, <clears throat> what was the second thing I was going to tell you? Um, I can't Truck Stop Ministries? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, Truck yeah, Stop that, Ministries. That little thing. So do you want to show the picture that I posted on my Facebook page? Uh, I don't know that you posted a picture Actually, on Facebook Actually, you know what? Page. Yeah, um. Okay, hold on a second. So, yes, yeah, so uh, the second photo, as soon as I open up my camera and scroll through my pictures, then I can show it to you. We'll see if Bareface can get to it before me. Uh, let's see here. Um, got a picture of me with my dog, me with my dog, me with my dog. Kim, 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 me and Kim, Kim, me and you. Ah, here it is. Okay. Yeah, well, I see one photo. Yeah, that's it. So, here is the truck stop ministries photo there's five people there <laughs> is that cool or what five people people i was so discouraged last month because nobody showed up but this month five people showed up uh to it so do you want to share uh, randall about um what that was like for you to to have five people show up because it was super cool me um um okay i'm gonna go i gotta log back into periscope now again put so this just... photo up All right, yeah, so there are the five attendees. and You can't see any of their faces. They're in the Witness Protection Program. And there am I. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, standing behind the lectern is just too formal. And so, you know, it's a small group sentiment. So I was sitting closer, more like a circle, when there were three in there. Then two more showed up, and so... <laughs> I had to make room for, for them. So, anyway, what it was like. Well, it was great because, um, because why? Well, just because it's, 
good. I mean, the whole point of the truck stop ministries is to minister to truck drivers and any other driver that might have to want to come. You make the announcement that all are welcome. Start out with saying, good morning, drivers. Welcome <laughs> to the TA Travel Center in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's great to, you know, it's better to give than to receive. And it's always great to give words, you know, eternal words, uh, the word of God. And the more people that can benefit from that, the better. And so, and it's also, you know, whereas the idea is to minister, of course, you know, I am ministered to. Right. Uh, just because seeing their interest in and spiritual things and talking to them afterward and um, it, it, it does my heart good. I mean, the whole purpose of gathering together as believers, as we read in Hebrews chapter 10, is to exhort or stir up One another. another to love and good works. And yep. um, it's not about... It's not about strictly hearing a sermon or singing some songs or, you know, putting money in the plate or whatever. It's it's about encouraging one another, stirring one another up, exhorting one another, mm-hmm. going with different English translations of the Greek, you know, to love and, and good works. And so uh, we grow, we, we, you know, we grow in Christ in the context of the body of Christ. <laughs> and so... Yeah, Sean. Sean said, "Hello, a new wave ingredients equal junk." You're right. <laughs> yeah, this is for you, bud. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. So there was one woman. There was one woman who, who was in there, who was in the the thing. Told her about our show as well. Um. She told me that six percent of long haul truck drivers are women, and she also said that. Uh, very few women last longer than one year as a long-haul truck driver. But here's what she asked for prayer for. I mean, she asked for a personal prayer request, but she also said this, and I thought this was really interesting because there's nothing more than um, actually talking to somebody who's there. You know, they're in the grit of the minute of what they're doing. And um, she's, she has been a, a hey, TR fun guy. Um, she, uh, she's been a driver for three years, she said, so that's, you know, three times longer than the average. Um, and she said that the thing that we should all pray for, hi, Sue, I see Sue too in there. And hi, everybody else, if anybody else is coming in somewhere. Um, the title isn't really grabbing a lot of people. All are dead. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so, but she said the number one prayer request that she has is that she said that racism is rampant within the trucker community and she said all you gotta do is turn on the cb and which she has to for certain things um and she said the the you know the black people are calling the white people crackers and and you know white people are calling black people the n-word and she said you know then there's the comments about towel heads and then there's wetbacks and and you know she said it's just just evil you know and she said that really needs to stop within the the trucking community and then she also said it was difficult to be a woman um and she really um i I guess when you're a long-haul truck driver apparently when you go to certain truck stops you you pay when you pay for your gas you get a free shower or something 
And so she was trying to also figure out a way to be able to donate her um, extra showers that she's accumulated to people who need them, like homeless people and stuff like that, that she runs into. So she, she was saying, if I know how to get that to happen, then, you know, see if she can do that. And I thought, you know what, there you go. That is so cool that a woman would be willing to donate her showers to somebody who in more, in more in need. And she actually said that women truck drivers are also people who need to get used to being, you know, doing a spit bath with baby wipes, you know, because she said there's, it's hard, often hard to go to the bathroom. You have to do it differently, you know, sometimes in a cup. Um, and then she said, of course, you have your monthly cycle to contend with, which most men don't have to deal with too. And of course, most men, men I would say well, all, yeah, men. all men, well, there's some, even the pretend ones, <laughs> even the pretend ones don't have that. I'm a little tired. Okay. Anyway, the point, I'm not picking on you. Yeah, just... you are You're totally. Well, anyway, the point is, and she said that sometimes she has to worry about men trying to come into her truck, you know, who want to just, you know, be there for for sexual purposes and stuff and so yeah so if you guys think about it pray for the women long haul truck drivers and and she also said for anybody out there to stop complaining about all the big rigs on the road because she hears that a lot well how, how are there so many big rigs on the road she said if there were no big rigs you wouldn't have your food you wouldn't have your gas you probably wouldn't have most of the stuff that you have and pretty much america would stop so there you go yeah, agreed. You know, we we want all this stuff. And we want it sooner. There's demand for supply, and the way to supply that, in most cases, economically, is to deliver it by truck, hmm. truck and trailer. So, if you want your stuff, you're going to have to deal with um, the large trucks on the road. Not just deal with, but be thankful for them. Right. So you want to share about the atheist guy? Share atheist. that story? Yeah. You know, the truck driver that was an atheist? That was? Okay, yeah, yeah. that was. That guy. Yeah. Share that story. I mean, you know. Well, in short, uh, one of the yeah. guys I was talking to afterward, after the, um, after the fellowship, he explained that for 50-some years he was uh, an avowed atheist, looking for naturalistic <clears throat> explanations and everything, and was quick to explain... You know, why why there was no God, that kind of thing. And he said, tell a miracle. And I'm just like, okay, what is this miracle? You know, you're thinking, you know, the skies opened up or whatever. Uh, but no, it was simple. He found himself. Well, he didn't find himself. He, he was at one time in a restaurant, stopped a restaurant. And before he ate, he gave thanks to the meal. He just said, thanks, God. <laughs> Two words. Thanks God. Something never done in his life. And and later that day, said he heard the voice of the Lord say, "Hey, stupid." <laughs> People say, "Well, the Lord would God say that?" Well, sure, God would say that if if it got someone's attention. I think of Balaam of Balaam and the donkey. You know, or yep. <laughs> you know, basically, basically had the. Had the donkey say, "Hey, stupid! Hey, are you, have you known me? To you know, why are you beating me, idiot?" <laughs> He's talking back to the donkey. And, anyway, um, you know, or thou fool! You know, tonight thy soul will be required of you. 
Uh, God knows well, how to get our attention. So. He called the religious people whitewashed tombs, so yep. he could call an atheist stupid. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but anyway. You know, just said, hey, stupid, what did you do earlier back there? Right. Like, I don't know. Prayed. You know, what was that about? And Anyway, and so this miracle, this revelation that he could talk to God. And so began to do that and read the scriptures. You know, very long story short that now, um, that rather than trying to find a naturalistic explanation to everything as a defense, mm-hmm. as why not to believe in God, that the the evidence for God is just overwhelming. And rather than have to try to find an answer, you know, synthesize an answer that <clears throat> you know, to answer against faith, he finds that faith in God you know, explains everything. It doesn't have to, you know, this, the world at large makes sense from, uh, well, from the truth, perspective of the truth, or a biblical perspective. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So, mm-hmm. you know, like last night we were talking to Chris about crazy God stories. We all have them, people. We all have a God story, right? I mean, every single one of us, you, you do not know, and I, I will encourage you with this and then, We'll thank our sponsor, and then Bareface will start teaching the God's Word. But let me just encourage you. Look, you are where you're at for a reason, right? And I know there's some of you out there who are like, well, I can't share the gospel with anybody. I don't really know enough of God's Word, blah, blah, whatever. You know what? The girl, Gail, that shared the gospel with me, all she said was God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be your best friend. That's literally what she shared with me, right? A high school student shared that with me when I was in high school. And here's the thing, you know, some of you, um, maybe you're not in a church fellowship, right? It's taken me a journey of over probably close to 10 years to get back into church. I understand it. But what I can tell you is maybe... God wants you in a church fellowship so that you can give to other people and you can minister to other people. You know, if you're a person who doesn't go to a regular Bible study or, you know, attend a service or something, maybe you're supposed to go to church to minister to other people by your very presence or your story. You know, and just to be honest, I, for years, never talked about the sexual abuse history that I have. Um, and I never talked about my mom being very abusive. I didn't, haven't talked about that until recently, really. It's only been the last couple of years that I've gone more public about the details and some of the stuff that I've gone through. Um, and because I never wanted Bible News Radio to be a show about me and my abuse and, you know, have people say, oh, you're just being a victim, blah, blah, whatever, you know, and have it all be focused on recovery and stuff. But what I can tell you is that that even in doing that for me, that's a stretch. Of, even in my own recovery, it's caused more healing as a result of me talking about it and helping people. I work with kids at church. I don't have kids of my own. That's a difficult area for me sometimes to go to. Like Sunday night, I'm like, man, in my mind, I'm like, really? Do I have to do this again? But then I do, and I'm like, you know what? This is great. These kids they take in the story and the gospel and and i do not know in fact one of one of my friends at church tonight she was sharing right before i went in to teach the kids 
she was sharing how she didn't become a Christian until she was in her 30s. But when she was a child, she had a neighbor every Wednesday, every Sunday would call her family up and invite her to, um, <clears throat> to invite her to go ahead and come to church. And she would, she would go because uh, her parents didn't bring her to church. As adults, how much more so the, the freedom that we have here in America to go to a good church, a good Bible-believing church, um, that, you know, we can be there, we can hear God speak, you know, through the pastor if he's a biblical one, um, but even more so just our very presence sometimes can just minister to other people. And I remember when my mom died, uh, when she was diagnosed with cancer, uh, <clears throat> about 19 years ago now, because she died 17 years ago. Um, you know, I remember my professor telling me, look, you have an opportunity now to be the ministry of presence. What is that? It's just showing up. It's just showing up. Somebody showed up for you. Okay. Don't ever forget that. Someone showed up for you when you needed them. And whether or not you know God for a fact put them there for you, they did. God did. Right. And um, and so just I want to encourage you get out of your comfort zone and think don't don't think about how you're like um, what you want. You know, this is what I want. Like Randall was talking about being selfish. I probably talk about that again tonight. But think about what you can give. Do you know that the scientific research has shown people who give more live longer and are happier people? And it's interesting, right? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It really, really is. He, he actually, you know, um, you know, he's, he knows what he's talking about, right? And then if somebody wants to give to you, you know, don't, don't not take it. Don't rob that person of their blessing of giving to you. You know, I'm going to be honest. It used to be hard for me to take money from people right? If people would say, oh, hey, I'll pay for your lunch or whatever. I'd be like, no, oh, no, no, it's okay. You know, and I was always like the one to give. I, I could never, you know, I never had, I didn't feel comfortable taking, I didn't receiving. I had to really work through that because of my abuse, really. Um, but now I'm in a position where, hey, if somebody wants to give to me, I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> it's just, hey, I have no problem taking now. It's still uncomfortable, but I'll do it. You know what I mean? Um, and so, look, you give and you receive when you go to church, when you're in fellowship, when you're in God's word. Um, you give and receive here. And, you know, so I just want to give you an opportunity to give to us. If you receive from us, then, you know, um, if you want an opportunity to give back to us, obviously the most tangible way is to donate to us so that we can keep paying for the, you know, expenses that we have to do this. Um, and we have a sponsor, Ariel Ministries, which we encourage you guys to also um, go shop with. That way they know that their money, that they're supporting this show. And I want to tell you something. Ariel Ministries, think about this. This is an international Messianic Jewish ministry. Um, internationally well-known. Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum is known all over the world. He usually, he's spoken for decades all over the world. This is not a fly-by-night ministry. This isn't Joe Blow Pringles Church. This, you know what I'm saying? This isn't like the, the first church of the Apostle Joseph Bartholomew Finch, you know, Finch face. 
<laughs> birdface cardinal head, you know, dot com, whatever. It's not some fake ministry is what I'm trying to say. It's not like a little unknown ministry. This is a tangible, solid biblical ministry that's been supporting us for three years. Um, so hopefully that shows the value of what we do. And if they support us, how much more you, uh, if you, if you're, you know, been in our internet congregation, if you will, for a while. So I just want to give you an opportunity to donate. You can go to biblenewsradio.com forward slash give, donate through PayPal. We also have Venmo. We also can take a check. Whatever you want to donate with is good. And or go to Ariel, use our coupon coupon code Bible News um, and save 20% on stuff. That lets our our paid sponsor know that you are getting value from our show. Um and uh and or also another way to support us is by getting legal shield getting your legal protection or identity theft protection through me if you do that then of course those residuals go to me um and which in turn pays for our show as well because you know we have expenses guys i mean we really do uh this doesn't just happen um and we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we don't even talk about on the show that take money to do so uh, so, you know, as God would bless you or whatever, then, and, and I will say this, and, and I'm not tar targeting anybody in particular here, but I will say that I called somebody in ministry recently, um, and I, I told him what was going on and, and I was telling him, I said, you know, I don't understand this. We get phone calls from people in big ministries telling us how, what a blessing we are. We should keep up the fight, the good fight, talking the truth, do this. We expose the evil. We do it gently. You know, we're, we're professional in every aspect. Uh, and I said, but you know, where's the money that we need? I'm literally, I mean, my dream, you guys would be to be able to do this again, five days a week and have it support itself. So we didn't have to do anything else, but that's not the case at all. It's like we're doing other stuff. And you know, this guy told me he's a seasoned pastor. This is what this guy told me. He said, the reason isn't you. It's because God's people are stingy and they give their money elsewhere. And they're not listening to God when he tells them give to these people. And I started to cry and I was like, wow, you know, for you to say that to me, First of all, affirmed me and what God's called us to do, but it also is sad <laughs> because people just, you know, it's like you're, you're missing your blessing when you give back to us, if you're not giving to us, I guess that's the point. So anyway, so that's it. Um, I'm not going to say, Hey, you know, if you donate a hundred dollars tonight. I'm going to give you a Pringles and I'm going to anoint it with oil <laughs> and send it to you. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe in that garbage and you know, it's stupid. Um, and all that. So anyway, <clears throat> all right. So Randall, the rest of the show is yours. That's, that's me. Yes, it is. All right. Well, uh, yesterday afternoon, as I was praying about uh, what I was going to share at the uh, truck stop ministry today. Um, some verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 came to mind, and I shared that a little bit 
uh, on last night's broadcast that that's where I'd be going tonight. I'm going to sneeze. Excuse me. Um, so that's where we're going to be. If you have your Bible handy, open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's on page. No. <laughs> Depends on the printing. Um, I'm going to use Bible Hub because I need to put the text up on the screen. And as we get into the scriptures, let's do so prayerfully, shall we? Father God, you are an awesome God, worthy of every glory, every honor, all power and praise. Blessing belongs to you, and all blessings come from you. Uh, not minuscule among those is this thy word which you have preserved uh, throughout the ages. We pray that you would use this time. Uh, to speak to us, open our hearts, open our spirits, that we might be receptive to your spirit. Uh, equip us, Lord, to be attractive and effective ambassadors for Christ, in whose worthy name we pray. All right, here we are. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Paul writing to the Corinthian church says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, and I like this distinction that he makes, a house, oikos in the Greek, speaks of a dwelling place. It can be uh, more widely used of a household. But he says, if our earthly house, this tent, uh, skenu in the Greek, um, where we get our English word seen of all things, and that goes back to... Um, a tent used to make a canopy in a scene. Anyway, so it speaks of a place where we're living, up our earthly house, this tent, which is a temporary dwelling by nature. So if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, that is, in our current body, this tenth, this earthly body of flesh that we have. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but as I get older, <laughs> I'm, I'm oft reminded of how temporal these bodies are and how they're wearing out this tent uh, this earthly tent is wearing out. Even even if you're younger, you know, ladies, you uh, deal with female stuff, and you know, even young people get sick, and we're often reminded of our limitations and weaknesses that we have in this body of flesh, this tent that we dwell in, and so we groan earnestly. Uh, to be clothed with our habitation, which is in heaven, which is eternal. This um, this eternal house that God has made for us, not made with hands. Um, you know, even our earthly dwelling place, you know, that we live in, not just the tent, but, you know, any house or apartment, condo, you know, wherever we may live. You know, that's temporal and wearing out and needs maintenance to... Uh, keep it going because things on earth disintegrate, they wear out, you know, they age. Um, and just a um, little aside here is that we often get confused and think that we have a soul. No, 
We don't have a soul. <gasps> he speaks blasphemies. No, we are a soul. We have a body. It's, soul isn't something we possess. A soul is something that we are. We are eternal beings. And right now we have one kind of body on this earth, a tent, a temporal body, uh, this earthly body that we have. And so, you know, in this we groan, desire to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. We're not going to be disembodied spirits, okay? This whole idea of, you know, uh, disembodied spirits, ghost, doomed to walk the earth is totally unbiblical. That doesn't happen with human beings. There are spiritual beings, fallen angels, and even non-fallen angels, that uh, uh, travel between dimensions, you know, the spiritual dimension and the earthly dimension, but we as human beings, we're not going to be found naked, you know, a disembodied spirit. That just isn't our fate. It's not biblical. Uh, we shall not be found naked, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. It's not that we want to desire to be a ghost. Or <laughs> it's, it's like, well, we've got this body, it has its weaknesses, it has its limitations, it ages, it's wearing out, it continues to have aches and pains and more. You know, talk to, talk to anyone in their 70s and 80s, you know, the calm... The topic of conversation is often the medications they're taking, the pains that they have, or that sort of thing. As you age, you know, health becomes a bigger concern because we realize how fleeting it is and how temporary it is. And so, uh, we, in this tent we groan, we're bur burdened. Uh, we're not looking to be unclothed, to just shake this body off, but to be further clothed, to be have something a place for our eternal soul that's that lasts forever that is a, a glorified body and we could look at other scriptures that tell us that in our resurrected state our body will be like the glorified body of of Yeshua of Jesus you know who in his resurrection apparently could I don't know if we walk through walls or teletransport it or what um you know, that could eat, he ate fish, but didn't eat tea anyway. We're going to have this indestructible body with not limitations, but with more abilities. Um, so those who know the Lord, our, our hope is not that we'll be one day just get rid of this body. That shouldn't be the focus. Oh, one day I'm going to be done with this body, get rid of this old tent. But no, we're going to be not unclothed, but further clothed, or getting a we're getting a better body, one not made with hands that God has prepared, uh, that's eternal. Verse five. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. No, he's not prepared, but he's prepared us for this very thing. The idea is not that uh, a body was prepared for. 
us that we wouldn't be unclothed, but he prepared us for that, that we aren't meant to live in this temporary body, this earthly tent forever. We were prepared for something. He has prepared us for this, not prepared the body for us, prepared us for it. Um, the idea all along is that we would spend eternity with him and and have this eternal body that he has made. He's prepared us for this very thing. And he's also given us his given us the spirit, the spirit, a definite article in the English as well as the Greek, this spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And it's interesting this word guarantee. Um in the original language are a bone. It's it's spelled in the Greek letters, but it's actually a Hebrew word. Arabon, and you find it uh, it appears a few times in Genesis chapter 38. And Genesis chapter 38, you read the story of Yehuda, Judah, who um, who unknowingly, in his sinfulness, has intimate relationships with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. And there's a whole other story, and she she's in the lineage of the Messiah. But uh, in there, he, well, she descri- she disguised herself as a prostitute, and for for good reasons. the The means didn't justify the ends. The motive was good, but the but the method was not right. Whole nother story, whole nother study for some time. But in there, he realizes he doesn't have any money, so he uses the services of this supposed prostitute and doesn't have any money and he's like uh you know uh sorry i got no cash <laughs> she's like well what are you going to give me as a pledge because yeah, i'll bring back something i'll bring back you know pay you um and she says what are you going to give me as a pledge or a bone and he gives her his signet ring and his staff and anyway the idea of uh or a bone uh the 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 pledge is that it's something, uh, an assurance, like a down payment. You know, this is going to, this will have to hold while I'm coming back with something better. And and in the Greek here, in the New Testament, it's a transliteration. That is, um, a language, a word from another language spelled in the letters of of the language of the text. So it's it's spelled with Greek letters, but it's actually Hebrew word. This word arabon, a guarantee, a pledge, a down payment, if you will. He's given us the spirit as a down payment, as an assurance, as a pledge that this very thing that he's prepared us for, this this future body, this resurrection body is coming, and he's given us a pledge, his spirit as a guarantee. Verse 6, so we are confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, think about that. He's given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee, as a pledge. He is present with us. God's presence is with us, but we are not present with him. Well, how does that work? Well, you know, he's here by his Spirit. We're here physically but one day we will be in his presence physically in our new body. Um, 
So right now, we are, while we're at home in this body, this tent, this earthly body, which we groan and are burdened by and uh, want to get a new body someday, while we're in this body, we're absent from the Lord. Um, so while we're here, we can't be, um, you know, just as no flesh will glory in his sight, and you know, no one can see God and live, and there's dozens of other scriptures to look, look at. Our earthly bodies, these bodies of flesh, are not fit for heaven, are not fit for the spiritual realms, are not fit for God's presence. And so, while we're at home in this body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight, and don't get that confused that faith is blind. Um, the idea is that just that, we're while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Uh, we're dealing in a spiritual realm, but not by actual um, presence and proximity. That it's, it's something we're operating at a spiritual level. Uh, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's, that's what we would prefer, that we'll put off this tent and uh, take on the eternal tent, the not even tent, the eternal house that God has prepared for us, the glory, or prepared us for. <laughs> not that he, again, not that he's prepared it for us, he's prepared us for it. All right. So, with this in mind, that God has prepared us for eternal life, as our eternal soul, we are eternal beings that are getting an eternal body, uh, like, like unto Christ's glorious body. Uh, because of this, one day we're going to be absent from the body, present from the Lord. Paul says, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Whether he is in our presence or we are in his presence. You know, he's whether he's present with us or we are present with him, you know, we're he's present with us by the Holy Spirit, or we're present with him when we have this heavenly body, our aim, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. Why? Because you know, we must all, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether to what according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences consciences that uh that um you well known that that's their aim, Paul says we make it our aim whether uh, absent or present to be well pleasing to him and he says i hope you know con your, your consciences your it's clear that that's that's our aim and he speaks knowing therefore the terror of the lord well what about the what about the love of the lord shouldn't that be you know shouldn't that be our motivation yes and we'll look at that in a moment but he says he didn't say motivated by terror he says knowing therefore the terror of the lord um, the scripture tells us that who much is given, much is required, and that to know that God has prepared us for eternity, 
making us eternal beings that will live forever. Everyone's going to live forever. The question is where. Uh, but he's prepared us to live forever with him is, is the idea. That's, the, that's plan A, that we would live forever with him. And so seeing that that's going to be eternal, that's going to be you know, eternity, not this temporal life, that we, whether present or absent, we should be well-pleasing to him. And so to appear before him, he's like, this is what I prepared you for. I prepared you eternity. What have you done? You know, what, what, what did you put in your heavenly bank account? Uh, Lord Yeshua, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt, but store your treasures in heaven where neither rust nor moth corrupt nor thieves break through and steal. You know, where are you laying your treasure up? If it's here on earth and you get to appear before the Lord, then it's, as Jonathan Edwards preached, it's a, it's a, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Um, not because of... of um, because of condemnation, get out of the moment, but, uh, but just the, the sheer shame of appearing for God who's given us life and breath and prepared us for eternity. And if we've done nothing with that to prepare for eternity, then that's a frightening prospect. You know, even even on Earth, uh, you know, going through school, if we had some assignment and didn't do it, and comes due day to turn this project in, you know, like say we're sick or something like that. Why? Because we don't want to show up. It's not just the fear of getting a bad grade. It's I think it's the shame of knowing that you've been a flake, and you know, you show up without having done anything. And so Paul says, knowing, therefore, the, the terror uh, of the Lord speaking, because we must all appear for the judgment seat of Christ. There's a difference between judgment and condemnation. And I'll talk about that, I promise. Um, but we're all going to have to give an account uh, that we may receive um, the things done in the body, whether good or bad. And so... Uh, knowing, therefore, Paul says, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men uh, want want to do that, want to make known uh, what God has prepared us for. Verse 12, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to, bo to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in the heart. Uh and if you look elsewhere in this second epistle of Corinthians, uh, it talks about those who claim they're apostles and not, and are just basically entertainers more than anything, and ear ticklers. And um, basically, we, we, we do not commit ourselves again to you. We're not, we don't have to give a report to you about whether or not we're of God or things. Um, we're looking, um, you know, we give you opportunity to boast on our behalf. You know, look at the what's going on uh, in the church. Look at changed lives. Um, this isn't about appearances. This is about, this is a heart matter. 
uh, preparing people for eternity. He says, for if we are beside ourselves, you know, if we if it seems like we're not, it's for God. Uh, you know, if we're, you know, Jesus freaks, you know, so be it. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. Um, you know, however you want to look at it, whether we're crazy for God or we're sound minded, it's for your sake. We're not, we're not out to make a name for ourselves. We're not going to boast in appearance. This is a matter of the heart. Now, verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us. And this word compels, uh, uh, whoops, didn't mean to do that. Sorry about that. Let's go back. Can we, what happened there? Boom. Anyway. Uh, suneko uh, in, in the Greek uh, it means uh, with, soon. Like we get the word uh, synthesis or synonym or synagogue. That's um, why means means together, together, and then echo means held. So um, held together, held with. And the idea is gripped by. If I was going to do my own translation, I would say, for the love of Christ has a grip on us or has a hold on us. Uh, constrains us, some um, English translations say. You know, we talk about, you know, so-and-so has a hold on so-and-so or somebody, there's something, you know, maybe it's a bad habit. You know, uh, alcohol really has a grip on him or she really has a hold on him or he has really a grip on her. Um, or in the positive sense, you know, that it's really got a hold on the thing, hold on someone. The idea is being preoccupied by something. It's just can't get away from it it's got a hold on you and he says for the love of christ compels us it's the love of christ that grips us that constrains us that we can't get away from it says the love of christ compels us has this grip on us because we judge thus that if one died for all then all died if if someone buys you a plane ticket to go on some trip or a cruise or something like that, you know, it it's paid for. You get to go because it was done on your behalf. Uh, the, uh, the cruise line or the airline isn't going to ask you to pay up because you someone else has already paid. It, you're considered as paid up even though it wasn't you who d- did it. And that's a very simple example. If someone does something on your behalf or in your name, it's considered done. Even though technically and physically you didn't do it. I mean, you physically didn't carry out. You didn't buy that ticket. Uh, the ticket has your name on it. You know, it's done on your behalf, whatever it is. Uh, maybe someone will donate to something in your behalf. It'll be in your name. You didn't actually do it, but as far as the paperwork and everything is considered, it was you who did it. And so, in a similar vein, if one died for all, then all died, right? If one died for all, then all are considered dead. Even though haven't really physically died, actually died, technically they're dead. And who is dead? All. Um, uh, An important uh, rule of scripture interpretation I learned long ago is all is all that all means. 
Don't 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 look at it as well. It's got shades of some or shades of most. No, when you see in scripture the word all, all is all that all means. It means all. No exceptions. It means all. And so if one died for all, then all died. Technically, everybody's dead. Okay? And he, that is Christ, he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You know, think about it. You know, if someone saved your life, you would feel indebted to them. You know, well, how do I make it up to you? Think about it. Someone dies for you, takes a bullet for you. You know, like, you know, how do I honor them? How do they honor their memory? Well, he died for all. That those who live, even though technically dead, still have a heartbeat, still breathing, should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them. And not only died for them, but rose again. So it's not like just honoring him with a memory. You know, we honor those who gave their lives in battle, whatever. You know, we want to do something to honor their memory, do something for them, maybe their family. No, this is Christ who died for all. So all are technically dead. And so that we who live should live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us, and rose again. So it's not just honoring memory, it's living for someone who's living, who died for us, and rose again. And so there's this active living person that not just we should honor in memory, but honor in lifestyle, and word, and deed, and action, because this temporary life that we're living, it's technically dead. It's good as dead. And... um. Don't want to go too long here, so let me jump into verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Speak to that for a minute or two. Paul says, now on, regard no one according to the flesh. As I told the truck driver this morning, it doesn't matter if you're pulling a trailer or pushing a broom, <laughs> you know, doesn't matter if you're pulling wire or pushing buttons, doesn't matter if you're climbing the corporate ladder, or you're climbing a ladder down to the sewer, whatever your occupation is, whether you're red, yellow, black, white, green, purple, orange, it doesn't matter. That's that deals with a temporary earthly life. And from the perspective of Christ's death, everyone is dead anyway. Um, you don't care what your great-great-great-grandmother wants for lunch. Why? Because she's dead. I guarantee it. You know, um, I don't think anybody is following Robin Williams on Twitter. Why? Because he's dead. He's not posting anything. So, technically, we're all dead. So, that stuff that's temporary anyway ultimately doesn't matter in light of eternity. Plus, technically, we're all dead so who cares about the flesh paul says from now we guard no one according to the flesh even though we have known christ according to the flesh you know they were you know the apostles were there at the time that christ physically walked the earth 
when the Son of God took on human flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. They knew him according to the flesh as he inhabited a human body, but he died and rose again in a glorified body. He says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. You know, it's, it's really popular. It goes back to a book written in the 19th century. Um... Charles, Stace, help me out. Anyway, we get the phrase, what would Jesus do? Charles Sheldon, yeah. Um, you know, that's an okay question. What would Jesus do? Looking back in his life, I got a better idea. What is Jesus doing? Because he's not just dead and gone. You know, Paul says, we, even though we know Christ, we've known Christ according to the flesh, we regard him as thus no longer. Because that's one thing. Looking back at, at what the way he lived and said, he's he still lives. He resurrected, and he's coming again. Rather than looking back, what would Jesus do? What is Jesus doing? What is he going to do? Well, he's going to return. And so, anyway, that one's for free. You know, instead of asking what would Jesus do, ask what is Jesus doing. That's what we ought to be concerned with. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if we, verse 17 there, if we look at the Greek, 17, verse 17, um, old things pass away, um, has come into being the new. This is a verb. It's in the perfect sense. It's in the perfect tense, rather. Perfect indicative active. That's the that's the tense uh, mood and voice. A perfect tense indicative mood active voice. Uh, what does all that mean? That means the idea is that it's it's not a one-time thing, it's a continual thing. It's in the perfect tense, perfect presence. And it's an active uh, uh, voice that it speaks to something, you know, uh, happening. So old things have passed away. That's a done deal because we're good as dead. But all things are becoming new or continue to become new. They're new now and they are becoming new. Um, that it's a constant process of renewal. It, God has given us the Holy Spirit as a pledge, as a down payment, you know, of something better to come. He's preparing us for eternity. It's, it's happening now, and things are getting newer and newer and newer as this old tent wears out. We groan and burdened by better times are here and better times are coming. That there is this constant renewal uh, that is going on. Uh, so old things have passed away. You know, Paul talked about his past and how being a Hebrew of Hebrews, the tribe of Benjamin, he said, but all those things I consider a loss and I consider them dung um, in comparison to what, what awaits me. And so Old things have passed away. We should not be concerned uh, with a form, former life. Because if anyone is in Christ, that is, we've um, invited him 
into our lives and we've uh, come into his body, uh, then prior to that day, prior to that day of rebirth, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So, God was in Christ, Christos, the Messiah. The Word became flesh. The eternal God took on human flesh and was in Christ, the the person Jesus, um, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. As Yeshua, as Jesus himself said in John chapter 3, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I mean, and he says, those who don't believe are condemned already. I mean, it's clear. Uh, we don't have to look very hard or very far to realize that we're selfish people. We're self-centered people. We're unholy people. We're sinful. We are by nature separated from God. And we don't, we don't need... A heavenly perspective uh, to come and say, "Hey, you're you're messed up. You're sinful. You're selfish. You're sinful." Uh, that's pretty clear. Uh, God did not send His Son of the world to condemn the world. That that's by nature already condemned. I said I was going to talk about the difference of judgment and condemnation. Judgment is to assess, to weigh. Um, um, a judge in a courtroom, you know, says either, you know, objection sustained or whatever, you know, and is there to um, judge the proceedings. It's it's a jury that finds guilt, pronounces guilt, and there then a sentence comes, um, if there is guilt. So judgment is, judgment is evaluating things and weighing the things and saying as they are. Uh, condemnation is there to, you know, condemn. That is passing condemnation, handing down the death sentence. The scripture tells us there are there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, that we're not, we will not be condemned. Sentence will not be passed for sinfulness, as we'll see in the <laughs> verses that finish out this chapter, um, but judgment will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we're all going to have weighed, if you will, evaluated uh, what we've done uh, in this body in light of, from an eternal perspective, whether things are of eternal value or not, but condemnation is another thing. So God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not creating not creating distance, not creating the gap, because that was already there. We're, we're already by human nature, not supernatural. Uh, we're separated from God by our selfishness and sinfulness. And so that gap was already there. 
God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself to restore a relationship, not, not imputing their trespasses to them. We were already guilty in trespasses and has committed to us, Paul speaking, the, the apostles and, and the church planners, the, the, the word of reconciliation that, hey, the, 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 the offer still stands. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, um, calling, hey, uh, sinner, come home, uh, be in right relationship. Uh, and he's, after his resurrection, going to Matthew chapter 28, what? Uh, Go ye into all the world, making disciples, teaching them everything that I've taught you, and uh, passed on not just only the 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 message of reconciliation, but with the resurrection of Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit, the 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 pledge and the and the proof that he has power over sin and death. All right, so last couple verses, chapter five. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And I think that extends to everyone who is in Christ, who is a believer in Christ, who is a follower of Christ, not just not just the first ascent, first century apostles, because again, going back to the Great Commission, teaching them everything I have taught you, all things that I have taught you. And again, in the scripture, all is all that all means. And he said, when he teaching you, teaching them all things that I've taught you, well, well what is one of the things that he taught them? to make disciples, to go into all the world to make disciples. Or if we want to really look at the the really sense of the Greek, having gone into the world or in your going, since you're already going places, make disciples. And so that's something he taught them, and so that was taught down through the generations. Basically to be disciple makers, to be ambassadors for Christ. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. At first it was it, Messiah, Christ himself, God in Christ, reconciling the world, bringing that message of reconciliation, even though it started way back in Genesis, but through you know the promised Messiah came, uh, and, uh, and that continues through us, believers. We implore on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be set back in right relationship. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's simple. Verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is a powerful thing. Because we are by nature separated from God, we are unholy, we are selfish, we are sinful, there's nothing we can do to put ourselves in right relationship with God. Just like someone can't save themselves from drowning. Because if, you're, if you could save yourself, you wouldn't be drowning in the first place, right? I mean, when someone's drowning, you go to save them. They, we don't shout to them, hey, save yourself. Well, if that was possible, it would be drowning in the first place. And so, similarly, but even more profoundly, 
from an eternal perspective, since we are by our very nature those people drowning only in sin and selfishness, we don't have the ability to be in right relationship with God, or we would be. If we could do it ourselves, we, would have, we wouldn't be separated from him in the first place. We can't. It's impossible. It's impossible for us to do enough good or to, you know, stop sinning or be, you know, reconcile ourselves to God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself because we weren't reconciling ourselves to him. It couldn't happen. Um, and another verse just went through my head that was a um, really good example of that. But anyway, it left me. Senior moment. And I can get a senior discount in some places, so it's a valid senior moment, people. Um, anyway. All right. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that um, he knew no sin. He was holy, sinless, the eternal God, the word become flesh. Um, he, he made him who knew no sin, who was righteous by nature, selfless by nature, holy by nature, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That there was this great exchange made. He lived the life that was impossible for us to live and died the death that we deserve so that we could inherit his righteous reputation and have our condemnation fall on him. It's like he had the clean record and was received the condemnation for it, uh, the death, painful death on a cross, and we had the bad record and were made righteous and inherited eternal life. And so that's how we're reconciled to God through what Christ has done. This is the testimony John wrote in First John chapter 5, that God has given us eternal life, done deal, past tense. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Those that have the Son have life. Those who do not have the Son do not have life. It says, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not wish or hope or think, but know. It's because of what God has done. God made him who knew no sin to become uh, the righteousness of God in him. So, to wrap this up, we have this temporal body, this tent that's wearing out and our focus shouldn't be to get rid of it and I can't wait till I'm out of this body it should be focused on the future focused on eternity God is preparing me to spend eternity with him and so I'm going to live my life in a way that pleases him storing my treasure up in heaven because uh, for my earthly life I'm as good as dead if one died for all, then all died. And look at others as no, not according to the flesh, but as the eternal beings that they are. Uh, you know, the God desires them to be reconciled to Him, that they might spend eternity with Him, and for us to be ambassadors for Christ, uh, reconciling uh, 
others to a relationship with God through Christ. So, that's what I have for you. Stace, you want to say anything? Or do you want me to close this out? You look great. I was trying to turn up my mic. <laughs> uh, that was great. You know, I I was playing my game over here, but I was listening to everything <laughs> you said. And, um, it's, you know, really encouraging um, to to really think about it. I mean, we, you know, we are, we are not this body. No, and, we know, have a body. We right. are a soul and we have a body. Yeah, some people get confused about that and think we have a soul. So what I was going to say Go is that, you know, it's interesting that the world just, that's all we focus on is the body. Yeah. You know, yep. and even in the church, you know, sometimes that's the case. But um, <clears throat> Not but, that you would be poor stewards of this tent we have, but to recognize that it's temporal and it's it's wearing out. You let me talk now. Yes, dear. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I was just gonna say that um, <clears throat> that that was great. It was wonderful, and and I hope you guys you know appreciate what Randall does and who he is as a person. Um, you know, as his wife of twenty seven years, um, you know, I have seen Bareface grow spiritually and you know in more confidence especially in this area of his life and and you know what it just encourages me to see um god use him you know and so how much more so <clears throat> you know all of you god uses all of you in ways you probably don't even know and so this week as you go about your week just um you know try to think outside how you normally think you know, I mean, the word says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Um, and, you know, there's so much false teaching out there. Um, I just want to encourage you. I was sharing tonight with the children um, <clears throat> about my two dogs, Luke and Liberty, and how they were German Shepherd mixes. And, and uh, when Randall and I took took them to the dog park they each had a different role in particular luke who was my dog he would um he would kind of quote referee the dogs right you know but really what he was doing was he was shepherding he was trying to guide these other dogs in the right way um and just like in psalm 23 it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it goes on and talks about, um, you know, he, his rod and thy staff comfort me. <clears throat> it was interesting. I asked the child, the children, because one of the girls shared that, um, that uh, one day her sister made a fake staff and she pretended she was a shepherd. And she went all around the neighborhood and was pretending that she was a shepherd of sheep. Um, but it was so convincing to some of the neighbors that some of the neighbors started to ask do you guys have sheep <laughs> and, and she thought it was funny that's why she was telling me and and I said well do you know what's fascinating about the 
the staff that she made, though. And this is a little kid. I mean, probably 10 or 11. She's like, yeah, I don't really know what they're used for, except maybe to put around the neck and drag the sheep back. And, and I said, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. But also, sometimes they need to be, you know, tapped a little bit and kind of redirected a little bit. That's who the Lord is with us, right? <clears throat> he is our shepherd. And in John, it talks about how he is our good shepherd, right? And there are bad shepherds out there, people. There are very mean people who abuse animals and, you know, who you, you want to hit because they're abusive to animals. But we have this confidence in knowing that we have a good shepherd and, you know, we have a good father. Uh, we have, you know, a shepherd who understands what we need. And this was the kind of cool thing tonight that I took away. I asked the kids tonight, I said, I said, have you ever, uh, has your mom and dad ever done something for you that you didn't like? Um, but after a couple of days or something, you realized, oh my gosh, that was for my best, my betterment. And you were really thankful for it. And a whole bunch of the kids were like, oh yeah, yeah, it just happened last night. And I was like, really? In my mind. <laughs> so, so I was like, I was like, so you want to tell me about it? And, you know, they shared a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> well, how much more so God, right? David, before the Lord called him, was a shepherd. You know, uh, here he is writing, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, and so this week, just, just meditate on that as well as some of the stuff, you know, Randall read to you as God leads you in his word. And just remember that, you know what? It's not all as it seems in your life. God is putting you in places that nobody else can go. And, you know, if you feel awkward, who cares? Share a smile. Share a word of encouragement. You never know how it's going to change that person's life. And share the word of God with whoever comes your way. Because you will be surprised, number one, how few people know it. And you'll also be surprised at how many people want it because people are hungering and they're thirsting and they're looking for the truth. And if you're the light out there in the darkness, then these people are going to come to you and they're going to they're gonna want you to explain why you have that hope within you. So do it. All right, people. Okay, so be bold. Be bold in doing that. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. And we will be back next weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and, of course, you know, you can follow us on, on social media everywhere. And if you need me for anything, you know how to get a hold of me. All right. Bye.